Welcome to Show to Be with Mike G, the show of life, the show of maps, the show of madmen, lots of madmen running through here. Today's guest is Michael Sanders, a force de triumph in the Austin spirits scene, the Austin bar scene, shit, the scene. Michael is about as outspoken as they come. He's rambunctious. I recently turned a topless photo of him into a pumpkin. First lesson is don't ever have a topless photo of you circulating at all or someone will give it to me and ask me to turn you into a pumpkin. But we talk about a lot of stuff with Michael. We talk about AMC. We talk about Mad Men. We talk about love. We talk about health. And it gets serious. It gets funny. And I really enjoyed getting to know Mike a bit better, sharing some more things in common. And I hope you really enjoy this conversation with Michael Sanders. get a whole lot of reach they didn't get a whole lot of uh ratings but they were in every magazine it was the most popular thing ever was that is that your fault is it your fault to make mad men such a big phenomenon no yeah right no i mean it was it it was stylish it was cool like you know i mean you talk about the business that i'm in now with drinking and all that kind of stuff i mean the old-fashioned came back with stuff like mad Men. single-handedly because yeah of mad men right? you yeah. can you can talk about all these cocktail bars and all that kind of stuff that it being on there with mad men is what made it big yeah but especially me being digital it was cable vision which is mm-hmm. like uh you know they own madison square garden yeah, and all that yeah, kind of yeah. stuff so they were used to getting these huge budgets for um tv and stuff so when I would come in with a couple hundred thousand dollars, which was a pretty hefty yeah, deal pretty for good. digital, they just sort of patted me on the head and moved me along. Yeah, go do your thing, Mike. Yeah. Don't but, screw it up, right? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Oh, thank you so much for your $200,000. We just did $10 million. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, nobody wants to go to your fucking site. So that ultimately, you know, now we're sort of organically going into how I'm here. Yeah, yeah. Um, when I was working there, my boss knew damn well that it was very difficult for me to get meetings that it was very hard for people to listen to me because the site sucked it was hard to peddle it but it had the, nothing to do with you just not, the situation. not with me individually yeah, yeah no yeah. not with me individually i mean i was i, I am a good salesman i think yeah. in a lot oh, yeah. of ways um i had a lot of connections on the other side that were willing to do me favors willing to meet with me when nobody else would so i had an in in that but the tv people were completely not cooperative they didn't care to help you out they Why? would just sort of throw you. But like I remember one time, um, the this TV is still, people still AMC, right? Still yeah. AMC. Okay. TV people did a deal with uh, Microsoft. Okay. And this woman who was working there, who was a real bitch, was like, "Hey, I just landed a TV deal with Microsoft. Here's the digital people. Why don't you call them? Should be pretty easy." I called up, did my whole spiel, and her deal was, "We don't want." programs unless mm. they have very high reach okay which amc doesn't 
not then at anyway. All. Now, well, it's not, huge, not, I mean, right? no, not, not on, not on digital. I mean, like yeah. they're talking about, like they're talking about, like Wall Street Journal reach. Okay, gotcha. Like gotcha. that many page views. People that are going there all the time. Okay, that people are going to CNN.com. People are going to you know Wall Street Journal. People so are just going cl- to like clicks, right? Yeah, not really impressions. Not enga- yeah, impressions. not engagements necessarily. Yes. But yeah. they just want eyeballs. Got it. We didn't have that, and then they wanted product integration, which obviously we can't do product integration with Mad Men. So she was like, "We can't do this." And I'm doing. So the, Microsoft's telling you no, we can't, we can't make it work with Mad for Men. on for online for Mad on. Men. Yeah, for online, absolutely. Yeah, you know they how they're feeling to... about it now. You have any idea? I have. You know, to be honest, online, I don't know. I mean, I don't know what it was. I mean, I had. Uh, Point being is I was doing the the fucking boiler room deal of kept coming back and coming back and come, yeah. always be closing yeah. stuff like that. And the girl on the phone, and I knew it. Mm-hmm. She was just like, dude. She finally stopped. She's like, dude, we're not doing this program. You just stop asking. And I was like, Fine. I understand. And I went back and told the people. I was like, this isn't happening. No, well, did you do this? Did you do this? I don't, listen, this is not happening. They want this. We can't deliver it. Whatever like that. And they basically called me an asshole. Told me I wasn't doing my job. At Ogilvy. No, at at AMC. Oh, it's the second. Oh, at AMC. At AMC. So you worked for directly for AMC, or was it? Vendor? I worked directly for AMC. Oh, yeah, that's yeah. Killer. No, no, no. I was an ad salesman for AMC. So like, Networks. go get the big whale. Microsoft yes. says no, mm-hmm. they don't buy into right. it because online doesn't. Right. It's not feasible. Right. And is it even? I mean, that was. <clears throat> let's put it fair that's probably like the beginning of the decline in the modern era of microsoft around that time right so that's what like 2000 it would have been 2007 seven okay yeah yeah so they were already well on their way yeah, yeah i mean it, and it was just it was no matter how popular it was it's a money game and people want stuff and this was back in the day of like people still doing ad networks and mm-hmm. huge impression stuff and it was mm-hmm. a big deal the the best deal that I ever got that was really, and honestly, it was a bunch of bullshit too, but it just worked out a lot in my favor, right, right. was I knew some people that were really good friends of mine that worked for Stoli. Okay. They yeah. were they actually worked at Ogilvy on the Stoli account. Oh, cool. Which was, coincidentally, a brand in the, the well, 50s and, and 60s, that, and right? That's, yeah. Well, and that's what worked out very well for me was that, you know, one of the things about Mad Men that was always interesting was you never knew what was paid for and what wasn't paid for. Mm-hmm. There were brands that were in that show that paid to be in that show. But you can never But tell. there were always other brands because Matthew Weiner, was, yeah. Matthew Weiner was very particular about it seeming like it made sense and having the integration and all mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. But there were plenty of brands that he wrote in just because they worked in the story. Sure. And that was one of the things that worked out for me because I had already been talking to my buddies about getting Stoli to sponsor the opening party of Mad Men, I guess it must have been like season three. Yeah, yeah. And in, they in New were, York, right? Big, big hole. This one was, was in LA? LA. This one was in LA, and uh, they had a viewing party that was in Times Square. Oh, cool! The whole like where they have the tickets thing with the big mm-hmm. um, steps and everything. They had a viewing party there, which I, I didn't get to go to LA, but I was right on the edge of getting them to do it. And everybody was like, we need a sponsor, we need a sponsor, we need a sponsor. And then one of the programming people came down and they were like, hey, just to let you know, Stoli is in the first episode of this season. Because it was when Roger came back Uh uh, from getting married and he brought back Russian vodka and it was like a big deal. Yeah, yeah. So just getting into that. So that was... even part of the plot. It's not even just a a backdrop. And they thought that I like scored that for them somehow. That's killer. So that, that was, you know... 
put my feather in my cap and that. So know, that's and, good. So you're you're the prodigal son returning with this big home run. And it, imagine like the next step has to be all right. Well, now you're creative director. Like how? <laughs> no. how do, what, where do you go from there? I mean, that's a pretty nice feat, big milestone. You go, it, it was, but they Short-lived just or, they, yes, they oh. didn't fucking care. Okay. They didn't care at all. And I knew, you know, it was so. Going back to the deal of talking about what I, you know, how I got to be where I am now. Yeah. Because my boss knew that I was not going to get a lot of the best meetings that I wanted mm-hmm. to, he's like, dude, take out any of your friends, take out your girlfriend, go yeah. out on dates, just go places and say that you were with clients, uh-huh. put things down, just go, 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 go. just go out all the time and expense it. Uh, I had an expense yeah. account. So at that time, you're talking about 2006, 2007, 2008, sure. all of the places, Milk and Honey, Death and Company, the Gramercy Tavern, all these places that, you know, food and beverage and stuff like that, that yeah. ended up being really uh, well-respected, I was taking people to. What did you think of, I mean, did it, it was even on your radar there something special that was happening? Or it, it was, it was. The it place was, that you go? It was, no, it, it totally was. It was totally something that I realized. I've always liked restaurants. I've always liked bars. I remember, like, I'd have friends that wanted to... You know, I would come and visit, and they're like, oh, let's get a keg at home and hang out. I'm like, no, I like bars. You like the experience like, of yeah. it? It's, it's like, a good social experience. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. I mean, like, the, listen, the, the booze that we have yeah. is just an additional thing. I don't do it for the drinking. Right. Sometimes I do it too much for the drinking, but I do it for the atmosphere and going out. Yeah. Speaking and, of which, I think it's, it's good is since I interrupted the Saints game mm-hmm. today, <laughs> the trade-off being... Yes. Is kickoff already happened? Kickoff is happening basically right now. Okay. Well, so yeah. we got to then make it worth your while. Yes. And luckily, you know, indirectly again, because we just met with Charles and we kind of were talking, we're drinking Elijah Craig. 12-year, you know, obviously, Mike, you have more expensive tastes, hmm. refined expensive tastes. And so now we're drinking Elijah Craig 18-year, which is, isn't it just like wonderful? It is. It's, it's so way, delicious. way better than anything else yeah. that's older than that. 20 years ago. Sure. 20 years. So it's nice to share it with you, obviously. Sure. And Thank it's really, you. Really cool, I appreciate man. it. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah. before we get into, you know, what is that pivotal moment in which you're like, I've been to booze. I know booze. I enjoy it. How do I turn this into something, a project of passion? So you grew up in Houston, yes. right? Okay. Where about in Houston? Uh, Cypress, Cypress area. Okay. Yeah. I you went go to, to high school there too? I did. I graduated from Cypress Falls in 96. How, how was it living in Cypress? I mean, I, I lived in <clears throat> Katy for a bit, you know? It, I mean, it was a burb. Yeah. It was interesting. You know, I grew up uh, I grew up in a fairly poor neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Um, I grew up in... There was mostly like townhouses in there. We never owned a house. Were they blue, I, blue townhouses? I know in Houston no, that becomes no, very that dangerous. Wasn't, it wasn't that... No, there were... You know, uh, all my friends were black when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. I, you know, hung out with those guys forever. And I went to schools that were all in that area. Then one year... Uh, they changed like some zoning and stuff mm-hmm. and we ended up going to this different junior high that one of the neighborhoods that was sort of incorporated in that was a neighborhood called Hearthstone okay. that had a golf course oh and that was like whoa wow. like yeah. you know ooh, there's a golf course and this is being in the 80 late 80s early mm-hmm. 90s now because you're uh, 37 late so. 80s or yeah, yeah, yeah late yeah, 80s yeah. early 90s um so now i was going to interesting people that would have been expected to be my peers uh-huh. other white kids People would, have, but I never hung out with any of them. Gotcha. So I, you know, was kind of figuring out how I was having some sort of like, uh, 
I don't know, something in common with people that I was expected mm-hmm. to already have something in common. And, and you felt like you, that I was very, I, so I felt very, yeah, I totally felt very different from them. Yeah. Felt very different from them. So then moving on, went to, uh, another, you know, we went into a high school, but you know, I was thinking about this the other day cause you look at all this stuff that's on the news and all those kind of things. And I grew up in Texas and right. you know, there's all kinds of things with racism and all that kind of stuff. And it's mm. definitely there. It's everywhere. You know, my family, a lot of my family's from the South have been around it my whole life, but where, I, like, I no, had a, real quick, where like uh, Louisiana, well, Georgia? I was born in Louisiana. Okay. My dad's family is from Mississippi. Okay. Oh, my wow. mom's family is actually from, uh, Northeast Rhode Island, no uh, kidding. Maine, Massachusetts. So it's a kind of an interesting mix then your it's mom definitely, and your dad. Yeah. yeah. But they met each other because my mom's family moved down to Rome, Georgia, Rome, Georgia, which is North, like Northwest of Atlanta. Okay. It's like, like two Athens. hours. <laughs> no, it, not nearly as cool. And then yeah. This is a it, this was a, a real one horse kind of country town. Oh wow! Barry College is there, okay. which is like it's the largest campus um, uh, in the country. And, yeah, oh, it's oh, a really? very beautiful, very yeah. cool. The lar- so largest met, like square mile. They met there. Just my mom was a waitress. My dad was a traveling salesperson. Yeah, and they met there. But a lot of my upbringing had to do with that southeast sure. area. I didn't well, the go Saints, n- right? Going back oh, to yeah. it was perfect. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I didn't go north of Georgia until I was a, a late teenager, probably. No kidding. Yeah, it oh, was all southeast. Oh, okay. I've been over, I, had, I actually think that I went overseas before I went north of, like, Tennessee. No shit. Yeah. Oh. Well, cool. So, so, you, so you end yeah. up, your family kind of migrates a bit. Yeah. Your dad, he, he was still, when you guys moved to Texas, he was still doing traveling salesman stuff? Mm-mm. No, what did he shift to by then? Uh, oil, oil. Yeah, yeah it's good money. He used that. to sell. He used to sell plumbing supplies. Then he went into selling oil field equipment. So like equipment to um, drill oil wells. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. So Pipe it, and bits and all that kind of stuff. Made a pretty good living doing that. Seems like right. It was tough for a long time. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I, our family has been very fortunate to have a lot now, but I didn't grow up yeah. with a whole lot. And you've got one sister, right? I have one sister. Okay. Yeah, and she's that's it. Just four you years guys, younger. Four yeah, years yeah. younger. Yeah. Did you? You guys went to school together then? Probably. Well, you, you might have just been we, out of high school, we, right? We no. Uh, we only went to the to the same school in elementary school. Oh, uh, Okay. Because if she was four years younger, like she was in eighth grade when I was a senior in high school. Did she? Did you leave a? A nice impression when she would make it into school, and she's, and she's like, "It's Mike, your older brother." She's Probably like, yeah. from some people. Yeah. Sure, mostly teachers. Teachers knew me because you're than... smarter. Because you're a smart ass. Both. Yeah. Both in a lot of ways. But like, you did probably did pretty well if you ended up UT first year, right? Yeah, I mean uh, that was one. Of, you know, one of the things I was very fortunate. I had a very sort of diverse uh, upbringing in mm-hmm. a lot of ways. You know, uh, my first my first friend when I was five years old was named Muhammad Abdurrahman, who was a black kid that was a Muslim guy in the neighborhood. Interesting. Which in 1983, in in the suburbs of Houston, Texas, not was so a popular, big right? rarity. Yeah, it not it was strange though. Like I, I never felt. I don't think he ever felt like anybody targeted him for his religion or anything. Not like I, now, I didn't probably. live him. It's probably not far even, no, better. No, it's, better. it's a tons better. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I, I mean. Then again, I'm not him. I don't know what he yeah. dealt with. But anything that I... I mean, him and I were inseparable forever. Nobody ever... Really, but also, he was he was as tall as I am when we were in, like, fifth grade. He was a big guy. Gotcha. So I don't think people fucked with him that much anyway. anyway. yeah. But no, so I had a lot of that. I was in a lot of, uh, you know, sort of advanced classes and stuff when I was a kid. So mm-hmm. I was hanging around with a lot of smart kids. Um, I knew a off. lot of the... Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, yeah did a rub off. <laughs> rubbed off. Yeah, I know it did. And then when I started, you know, growing up, there were like these people that were in these, you know, nicer neighborhoods that my my family started getting towards at some sure. point. Um, 
so I sort of had a little piece in every group. Does it does it make you? Yeah. Uh, I grew up very similarly, right? When yeah. my parents got married when I was a little bit older, probably about eight, and we moved around quite a bit. Never had money. Now, now, you know, they're doing really well. Mm-hmm. But it makes you appreciate things f- f- that that other people can't afford. You know, oh, you talk about food, you talk about going out, even to get get a hamburger like at Wendy's or something. Mm-hmm. You really start to appreciate that stuff. Sure. So I also think that that kind of richness and culture, at least like socioeconomically, <laughs> that helps you be far more prepared for running a business. I, I really do. I think having that kind of rich background because you know how, what it feels like to struggle. And it's not been a, like a matter of privilege all the time. It's, it happens to I some do. People, it, is, it is interestingly whether or not I'm actively thinking about it. It's a strange uh, feeling yeah. because my sister and I lived much better than my parents did. Sure. They gave us but that's what, what we they wanted. wanted to, yes, right? of yeah. course. Of course. And then but I obviously kids. knew the struggle. Yeah. I remember, you know, I remember being at school and getting sick and I couldn't call home because our phone was turned off. Uh-huh. And yeah. like I had to basically like call a neighbor to ask my mom to come and get me at school because I was sick and I had a fever and I, you know, right. whatever. I mean, that those times happened. Yeah. You know, it was a treat to go to the dollar movie theater. Yeah. You know, but you couldn't get popcorn and you could, and, and I couldn't call them. So I had to go up and shoot. My mom would always say, go up and ask them when the movie's ending. And that's when I'm going to come back and pick you up because mm-hmm. I couldn't call them when it was over. Because right. Our phone wasn't working. So no cell phones, uh, no cell phones. Different time, man. Yeah. Yeah. Totally different time. So. So you make it. That, that's, so I saw that, but then, like when I when I got older, especially when I got into college, like I was mm-hmm. very fortunate. And a lot of things just worked out. Like I got into the college I wanted to go to. Right. I wanted to go to New York and and work. That worked out. You know, I was. Was there I, any other places that you were thinking about besides New York, or is that when you talk about advertising? Obviously, that's the place. That's the. <clears throat> so for a while, I was honestly a little scared of New York. Mm-hmm. I and not scared as much as. I never thought that I was going to make enough money starting out first thing out of college right, right. to be able to really live there. Did you did you think about that whole roughing it thing or that cuz a lot of people go out there I with mean, no nothing, right? And they yes. just go and they well, hang out. Well, absolutely. And but I mean, in a way, yeah, but like you know, I knew I was going to have to be able to I mean, I was in a corporate job. I needed yeah. I, I knew I needed to like afford to have decent clothes mm-hmm. and not you know live in an live in an okay neighborhood i yeah, guess i mean I, yeah. I mean i lived in harlem which was fine i mean i lived in harlem for five years like, yeah it was oh, great cool. Cool. and it was you know uh it was fine regardless of even the roughing it thing sure. i knew that i could get a job so i was looking at other places for a while i really okay. wanted to go to atlanta for a while oh really yeah i was Good. looking Is at it that. a big big market just in general for advertising at that time i was not as much looking for advertising as I was looking for business. Gotcha. But I, so I did an interview for a company called News America Marketing. Okay. What which are, is yeah, what are they part do? of, so basically they do all the advertisements that you see in grocery stores. Okay. So all the stuff that's, you know, the little, <clears throat> when you go down and they have like the coupon things that you can take out and the stuff that was in the baskets and the yeah. stuff is on the floor. Oh, okay. Not okay. sexy work in any way. No. But they paid really well. It's like the car dictionary thing you yeah. get, right? Yeah. Printed on newspaper. But it, but it paid really well. And as part of my interview process, I got to the second level of the interviews mm. and they took us to New York. Oh, very cool. And I went there and still I wasn't completely sold on it just mm-hmm. yet. So 
we went there and all that stuff. I was hoping because they had offices everywhere. I wanted an office in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. And I ultimately, I could have sworn that I nailed the interview and everything, but I didn't. And I uh, didn't get, a, get, didn't get the job. Yeah. Didn't get the job. So now it's back to square one. Right. Well, part of my, <clears throat> for Christmas that year, my Christmas gift was my mom took me on a trip to New York. Okay. And we went and it was totally a, uh, you know, we went to Broadway and we went to Radio City. Very and like it was typical, Christmas, iconic and it's just like, yeah, I mean, like landmarks. You know, just spinning around in the middle of Times Square. Did you just fall in love that, with yeah, Jane Fonda? Yeah, okay. yeah, no. I figure. No, I just, I, I totally fell in love with the scene, and and of extremely naively, yeah. Thought if I moved to New York, that was the life that I was going to live. <laughs> so, but I had it in my mind that I was going to go to New York. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so I went and you know did this interview and all this kind of stuff. Got to go with uh, Ogilvy, and then I got corporate housing for a month before mm-hmm. I went there. So again naive just sold this beautiful thing i was staying at this place in chelsea this high rise in 27th and 6th oh, this cute, gorgeous thing my friend roble who ended up being my roommate yeah, yeah yeah came and stayed with me uh this was in uh 2001 <clears throat> august of 2001 oh, so this is before everything yes. changed so august in 2001 how, so you how long were you in the corporate housing then about a month and a half. A month and a half. So, so really, were you, were you starting to develop that taste of the wonderful life? Oh yeah, in absolutely. I, I thought that's what life was going to be yeah. like. How did it get? Had the rug get pulled oh, out from on. under you? So, <laughs> so we. I mean, one of the coolest things was like when you opened up my window. One side was the Empire State Building, yeah, and the other side was World Trade Center, mm-hmm. and I'm just like, oh my god, this is amazing. My friend Roble, who was a chef, worked really late. I didn't know anybody. I didn't have a job yet, mm-hmm. so he would get home at twelve thirty-one in the morning. We would get a we would get a twelve pack of beer and mm-hmm. a pack of smokes, and we'd go to the roof, oh, and we just stand in the roof in September, August in New York, which was beautiful, beautiful, yeah. and just looking around everything. And it was great. So we looked around and we got an apartment on one hundred and fifteenth and Manhattan Avenue, mm-hmm. which is Manhattan Avenue runs north south. It's the first. It's the first street on the Harlem side of Morningside Park. Okay. So Morningside Park separates Columbia from the rest of Harlem. Right, right. So it was not Columbia Kids. It was over there on, uh, you know, on the Harlem side. Still, you know, it was fine. Still it was cool. great. Yeah. But just mice and dirty and old. And Lots of roommates with four legs. Uh, and, yeah. yeah. It was, uh, you know, we had to go out to Queens to go get... Uh, window units for the AC and uh-huh. like you're doing that and it's sweating like crazy mm-hmm. and we had to repaint the place and then like you know uh, had to find a friend's place to go sleep at because it right. was fumes and it was hot and all this kind of shit and it was just crazy but did and it, then did you do you like that now looking back on it did you oh, like yeah, that? yeah yeah I mean kind of makes you who you are right? yeah I like the I like the struggle and mm-hmm. we'll we'll get to a part yeah. of that with the with the comparison that I do to things like Austin but my first day on the job in New York was September 4th, 2001. That is insane. Yeah. Timing is so crazy. So the next week was September 11th. Yeah. I had a, so September 11th was a Tuesday. Uh-huh. Oh, really? I had a buddy who was in the Coast Guard mm-hmm. who was going to eventually be stationed in Staten Island. Mm-hmm. And he came down the weekend before to come and visit me. And we were hanging out and we went down to the World Trade Center. And he looked up and he's like, oh, those buildings are so big. He's like, I should take a picture. And I was like, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. And he's like, no, 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 I'm going to live here. 
I'll have plenty of time to take pictures. I'm not sure. going to worry about it. So he didn't take any pictures oh, of the God. World Trade Center. It's, it's eerie, and then right? he wanted to take a girl out that he knew on mm-hmm. a date. And he's like, where should I go? And I was like, dude, you need to take her to Windows in the World. Is that up in that the, was the That was the, the top restaurant. of World Trade Center. It was the restaurant on top of there. And you can gotcha. see everything for miles and miles. Yeah. And he took her there the Saturday before Good the Tuesday God. of September 11th. Wow. Still never took any pictures. No shit. Yeah. Do you talk? Did, how did you still keep in touch with him? No, like, I. I I'm curious what he would him. think, right? Yeah, like, seriously. I mean, two what three days out. before? Yeah. This is very fateful. Mm-hmm. It's insane. I mean, it's insane how it happened. So that next, you started on the you said the Monday before, or was it the the week prior? It was the fourth. Yeah. yeah. So oh, we yeah, almost exactly yeah. a week before. Yeah. Yeah. And so how how do you remember that first week going? It was fine. I you know I um. I remember feeling like the first week was fine. I mean, I was excited. I was in New York. I was, you know, happy to be there. I was working. You had a month in court. So this is really like uh, week five or week six, right? That you're in New York living. Oh, no, because you would have started the, where you were in corporate housing and you started that that same kind of week, right? Yeah. You said you're, okay. Yeah. I had moved into my permanent apartment. A week and a half before I started work. Gotcha. Okay. Um, so yeah, I felt like the struggle was real and it was cool. They put me in the weirdest cube situation. It was actually like not a desk. They put an extra desk in like a little weird hallway. The janitor's between closet. Bo- Seriously. Like it was like behind. There was You couldn't see a window. Uh-huh. It was down like if you were walking down cubicles. There was a part that they couldn't put the cubes up against each other because there was a pole. So you had to go down, and it was just enough room to, like, get around the pole uh-huh. and slide through, and my desk was back there. That's strange. It was a total, like, Milton <laughs> office space thing. <laughs> They're taking your I stapler was, every yeah. day. They, was the, they had lights there, though, right? They didn't just stick you in a really dark Oh, area. no, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, they had lights, so it was fine. So um, so all that stuff happened. I was there. I had, I had met these guys and all this kind of stuff, and, yeah, it was, you know... So real briefly, I mean, what do you remember? I'm sure you were at work when all this stuff happened. Yeah. So my so my brief, my brief but you know uh, thorough nine uh, eleven story was so nine eleven happened like eight forty five or something like that in the morning. Mm-hmm. Uh, all of that was going on while I was still taking the subway to work. Oh Jesus! So I didn't see anything or whatever. Were people panicked um, yet, or did they not no, know? No, yet? nobody was there. Uh-huh. I was still getting to work on time. I see. <laughs> so I'm there at like eight fifty nine. Yeah, and there's like five people in an office of thousands. Wow, there's nobody there, and I saw a little light on my desk phone that uh-huh. I had a message. Message. Then I checked a message, and it was my dad, and he said, "Hey." Don't know if you saw those planes that flew into the World Trade Center. We were just making sure that everything was okay. And I, I, mean, I had no concept, wow. no concept whatsoever of it being jets. Sure. Of it being terrorists. Yeah. Of it being anything. I thought, shit, somebody flew a Cessna screwing around and right. bounced off the side of the World Trade Center and they died. Yeah, big. Well, lost, four, lost four people. Yeah. Like, right, you know, right. whatever. And so I was like, that's crazy. So I got. A, I didn't have a TV or anything. My computer. Well, an iPhone's not around. There's no, no, no smartphones. Yeah. 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 I mean, I you know I'm waiting for my computer to take ten minutes to right, boot right. up. Yeah. So I go to the cafeteria to get a coffee and a bagel, and I came back, and this guy Tyrone, who was my friend, who was one of the office manager guys, mm-hmm. he's like, "Man, that's fucked up." And I was like, "What do you mean?" He's like, "The fucking World Trade Center thing. Did you see it?" And I was like, "Wait a minute, you uh-huh. heard about it too?" He's like, "It's a big deal." 
And I was like, and that I was like, wait a minute, what? So so now you kind of and there was the yeah. So in the so everybody's all on their phones, calling their families, calling all that kind of stuff. Sure. I'm getting people calling in. The phone lines are all jammed up and all that kind of yeah. stuff. So I've got um, my uh, there was a there was a uh, barber shop mm-hmm. on the on the floor where like the cafeteria was. Sure, sure. And he had a TV. So everybody was huddled in the doorway the of this deal, TV. watching this TV, watching all this stuff happen. Wow. And we're watching and watching and whatever. And I remember having this strange just feeling of, man, you know what? Look at those towers that all this stuff's going on yeah. and everything's going to happen and they're not falling down. Wow. And I had this idea did you, of, you did look say, at did that you say it aloud? Because that's one of no. those things, right? It makes it even more kind of haunting, yeah. right? Yeah. I, w- I think I might have. I was like, yeah. look, they haven't fallen down. And I mean, within the next three minutes, they oh, fell man. down. And I was like, holy shit. That's like, this is crazy. Crazy. Fell down. Everything. Everybody's all freaking out. I had no idea what to do. Like, fast forward a few years when the blackout happened. Yeah. Which mm-hmm. everybody's scrambling on. Sure. I had an idea where to go and what to do. Yeah, because you had, had been some experience. In, I had been in this life. area a week. I had no clue where to go, what to do, anything. All the buses are shut down. All the subways are shut yeah. down. The buses have people literally pressing themselves into doors to get home. That's great. It was it just a frenzy. Everybody's trying to get yeah. as far away Everybody's just trying to figure out where to go and all that. That's insane. But and could you see it from the office there? No, no, but no, I, you can see your place in Harlem. You'd be able to see it on the roof, right? If I got up on the yeah, roof, yeah yeah, 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 yeah. So I just started walking home That's from insane. 49th Street to 115th Street. Wow! And I remember I had my headphones, and Howard Stern was on. Uh-huh. Howard Stern was like the only thing that was on, and he was sort of reporting. So as I was walking, I'm listening to all this stuff, of right. all these things going on, or whatever. So then the next day, obviously, uh, everything was closed. Yeah, building was shut down. All that kind of stuff. Thursday, we went back to work, mm-hmm. and halfway through, the CEO of our company had come back and was like, you know, had a meeting, you know, uh, everybody sit together in this tough time. Mm-hmm. We're still trying to figure out what's going on. The country's trying to figure out what's going on. I mean, right. you had everything. You had the Pentagon thing, and then yeah. it's like, there's a bus in Queens, and now I mean, everything's oh, going off so of much. all these things, and all you're doing is watching TV. Yeah. All you're doing is watching this stuff on TV. So um, she sent us home, Yeah. and then the next day was... Uh, was um Giuliani had done like a holiday or something like that. So we didn't go back to work on Friday. Yeah. So Thursday night, Roble and I were sitting there and we were so pent up and whatever. And we just had this amazing like I mean it's so fresh and so new. Like Uh it's 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 interesting for anyone to really who wasn't there. Like have you ever seen the movie uh Twenty Fifth Hour? Yeah, Edward Norton, man. That's great. So you know that part where they have the whole deal where it's like everybody's all together and then everybody's all against each other and then they end up coming back or whatever. And like, I don't know if you've ever uh, read the thing that Chuck Klosterman did on uh, Chuck Klosterman 4. It's all about um, Kid A. Uh-huh. And like segments of Kid A going through the day of nine eleven, he's no like, it's kidding. not. Does he think literally that it? Is, I mean, that it's, no, 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 no. He's like, listen, just I'm just telling you, but it's weird when you see the elements of the day. So, so when you say pinned up, what is that? Is it we sadness? Just, we were, is no, there, is no, it? pinned up physically. Oh, we were inside. Oh, 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 there was nothing okay. to do. Yeah. Like going September twelfth, two thousand one, was the most peaceful day I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, it was beautiful weather. It was like 71 degrees, mm-hmm. completely clear, and you could go to Times Square and nobody was there. Wow. 
Like it was so like you don't see New York like that. It was yeah, such a creepy yeah. thing. You just you know you walk out onto the street and it was quiet. Nobody was out. It's like, so wow. by that time, so when I was talking about like people not having a perspective unless they were there of of the temperament. Sure, you can't feel because, it the same way unless you're well, in because, it. Because because still on Thursday, and I mean this because of everything that had happened with the government and all that kind of stuff going yeah. on was on Thursday. Everybody was like. Fuck the terrorists. We're all American. We're, not We're all together. Stop living just We're, because. We are going there. We're going to bomb. Yeah. They had a, they had a, it's so crazy. I'm getting in a bunch of different directions. No, no. I don't no. know if you could ever find it again, but 101 uh, K-Rock. Yeah, K-Rock. That, uh, that, that Howard Stern used to be on. When they were doing the ultimatum mm-hmm. that Bush gave Saddam mm-hmm. and was like, you know, it's T minus uh, nine hours, Saddam. You better tell us what's going on. And then they played Bombs Over Baghdad from Outcast. Oh, I, I do vaguely remember hearing yeah. about this. Like, it was That's... crazy how people were so much in. in I mean, yeah. so we went out to a local bar that was over by, um, that was over by uh, Columbia. Uh-huh. And um, Roble, you know, he had, he had a fro at the time, so he had big... Hair, you know, tall, skinny black guy. He wore mm-hmm. this uh, bandana. Uh, banda- he looked like Jimi Hendrix. Oh, cool, he wore cool. a U.S. bandana. And we were all playing Born in the USA and American Badass. Hyper, and hyper going fucking crazy, right? all this kind of stuff. Wow. But then we met these girls there who gave another perspective. And they were like, you know, Bush did this and all this kind of stuff. And I wasn't even thinking about it. And it was like sympathetic. Not sympathetic necessarily to the terrorist, right. terrorists, but not so pro-America America at the time. Right. And I was like, that's weird. And I almost got offended at the time. Yeah. I was like, what are you doing? Like, we need to stick together. Like, this is all. Yeah, unified We're being attacked against the enemy. Yeah, yeah. And then that Sunday was, they had a, a protest in Union Square. Mm-hmm. And I'm not a protester. I didn't want to get involved in the cause, but I'm like, this is like. Being at that time when people were like protesting Vietnam, like I have to go down yeah. and see this. Yeah, Kent University. To go right? see, yeah. Yes, I have to go down and see what's going on. Mm-hmm. And that was the first time that I really started to get a perspective of another another perspective right. on the whole situation. So you and think terrorism was, and all that kind of stuff? It, and was then, it that much of a mix that, that that's bound to cause some tension, right? Like you've got oh, yeah. it's, oh no, 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 it's no, no, yeah. polar no, opposites. There was a, yes, yes, so it was. It was a whole side that was saying that America only bombs people of color. Right. There was a whole side that were like army vets that are like, we, you know, we do, need to fight for it. We need yeah. to fight for our country. There were people that were talking about, you know, um, how our involvement with uh, uh, Osama bin Laden sure. and, and oh, yeah, you know, going on with Russia and the, and the yeah. yes, and Charlie Wilson's war and all that uh-huh, kind of shit. Uh-huh. And, you know, we train them and the, the relation with the Bush family and the Saudis oh, and yeah. all that kind of stuff. And I was like, holy shit, there's like other stuff because it was all one direction until probably Friday. That's so strange. And then everything split off. Because in Texas, so you filter back into kind of Midwest and going more West into Americana, if mm-hmm. you will. And it was that polar for us. It was that black and white. There was no reasonable argument there was no soft kind of opposition to the war like there was in new york i think that becomes this cultural nexus for all this stuff to kind of there uh, let's let's be sure sure 
especially the people that I saw around, it wasn't soft and necessarily even reasonable opposition okay, to the war. Enough, enough. It made sense, yeah, and I got that. But it's still, but it also was a lot of. 18-year-old NYU kids screaming uh, at the top. I mean, they had just gotten to fucking school. Right, what the fuck And now they they're And now they're yeah. diplomats. Yeah, 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 like, yeah. You know, okay, well, I, I get it. but I go to NYU, I'm yeah. obviously I mean, entitled listen, to a world I am class. extremely smart. I live on West 4th Street. Yeah. So, yeah. No, that, I mean, that's was, an interesting part of it, because we don't get, we don't, there's not <clears throat> as much pride that comes from going to Texas State University as it does to go right. to NYU. You right. Know, that sense of uh, slight arrogance and just, like, oh, I know I'm, I'm absolutely in touch with world issues because I'm mm-hmm. that's ball bullshit, you know. But uh, but I would I I mean that's every campus. I yeah. I went to UT 96 to 2000. I was on the West Mall and mm-hmm. got perspectives that I never sure grew up with. I mean, you know, when you're growing up even into even to the end of high school, people weren't Republican and Democrat. They weren't conservative or liberal. They yeah. just sort of thought about different things. Mm-hmm. We just didn't I didn't have an ideology. My parents were Republicans when I was when I was growing up. Yeah, and but you it know, still didn't influence you so so nah, rigidly. Like you nah, still kind of no no that. no no no. I had you know, I had a I had a opinion and a perspective at a certain time about the value of hard work mm-hmm. and getting what you wanted because I had seen my parents struggle for so long and do well at yeah. some point. So I had this idea of if you work hard, it might take long and you you'll get, get there. there. Yeah, you and then I, that's what I had for a long time. Yeah, me too, and that's me too. not necessarily true. I mean, it can be, it, it can, can be. be you know? sure, sure. I think an education sometimes can expedite that process, but of course. I think hard work obviously gets you somewhere. You sure. Know? But maybe that's a fallacy in our modern, modern day. Well, and, that, and that's, and that's one of the things that, you know, it's, Whenever they have the things that are like, you know, could you pass a test that you did the freshman year of college? Yeah. No. Like, but none of, but a lot of that information isn't applicable. What I can do is relate to people and talk to people in a way I couldn't when I was a senior in high school. Because you have experiences The whole thing about going to college is dealing with people of different, a million different backgrounds and figuring out how to live with them. Yeah. I mean, no matter how diverse... Your school might have been when you grew up. It was still in one town, in one neighborhood, Absolutely. in one area. Not it multicultural. Yeah, really. it wasn't. It can't be. There weren't people who had just come from another country who were yeah. from the north, the south, the east, the west. You know, Canada, Mexico, <clears throat> Europe, Asia, everywhere. Like right. people weren't there and there for completely different purposes. For sure. They all took the same classes in high school. Mm-hmm. Like it's I homo- want to be. Yeah, for the most I part. want to be a liberal arts. I want to be an engineer. I want to be you know, a business person, whatever mm-hmm. like that. And then that has a lot with your framework of what you want to do. I mean, and, and the direction you want to go in. So you spend this time, there's obviously this massive rift in New York at the time, lots of differing opinions. I'm sure there's tension, et cetera, et cetera. And you go forward still with Ogilvy for a couple of years, I presume mm-hmm. you're out there, you're experiencing probably something that didn't exist really as much in other areas of the, the States. No. That is a great cocktail culture, mm-hmm. like just brilliant minds doing new things, trying new things, setting a standard really for the rest of the world in a sense. And so what was that moment where like, hmm, maybe I need to get in on this business. Maybe I have my own take on it. What, well, maybe I can contribute. Well, yeah. I mean, I was extremely fortunate with both of my jobs in New York that I got experience in things that I might not have otherwise had experience if I was just a guy making money and paying to do them. Yeah. 
because I because I was on the media buying side at one point, people were taking me out. Mm-hmm. Then I went into the media sales, and I was taking people out. Right. So I had free passes to go to a lot of Market stuff that I wouldn't yes, on the clock. that I wouldn't have yeah. otherwise had. I would never have been able to afford to do a lot of the stuff that I was fortunate enough to be able to do yeah. there. So I always, like I said, I always liked bars, and I always liked entertaining people. Mm-hmm. There was a time at Ogilvy when, because I was in the digital uh, department, like we were bought by Mindshare, and we moved over to another building, and they merged into a company that eventually split up, and there was this big identity crisis with the actual company. Okay. So they were trying to do <clears throat> stuff to get team building and all this kind of stuff. And I remember I was watching... An episode of the British Office. Okay, yeah, Mr. And Gervais. they went to yeah, and they did a trivia night. Mm-hmm. And I said we should start a trivia night at Oldie. Okay, so I yeah. started this trivia night, and I got known for like doing all these things, organizing, having, making parties, and stuff yeah. like that. Themes, so I knew too? I liked that. Themed parties, or just like throwing a party? No, just throwing a party. Just just getting people together and. Checking places out and knowing yeah. their va- like the value of this place has this good space and this good drinks and that's not what we need and these people can do that. like right. just being able to Eye analyze talent, a space really. yes yeah. and 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 analyze a space for its value for whatever it was right and then I was uh, you know all these things were popping up in New York I started to get a taste for it I knew that I wanted to do it I had this feeling that I wanted to be in a bar. And then Jessica and I would come down here for ACL and South by for so many years. <clears throat> so yeah, because you're returning to, to yeah, we come back to my friends. Yeah, and was starting to see these things that I really liked in New York: these cocktail bars and this different stuff. I mean, because even when I was in college, like I went to Sixth Street and Fourth Street, like mm-hmm. that was it. Like I didn't do. But you weren't drinking old fashions. No, I no wasn't way, drinking right? old fashioned, but I also wasn't going to like the broken spoke and like the historic kind of stuff. Yeah. I missed out on a lot of those things. I went to the stuff that was right downtown because mm-hmm. it was just what we did. Yeah. But um, when I would come back, I saw such a lack in that element of that uh, was in New of, York, but not anywhere yeah, in Austin. It wasn't right? here at all. Not a curated experience. No, really <clears throat> took cocktails seriously. No, not at like. all. I mean, the and <clears throat> I had. When I made the decision to come here, in the time after I had made the decision, mm-hmm. Eastside Showroom and Peche had opened. Just opened, yeah. But by the time I had made the decision, they hadn't even opened yet. Oh, so I, I was thinking about this. Did you, and you already had a business plan or stuff? Or just <clears throat> no, kinda... no, no. And you know, you ask a million people the business plans that they had, the kind of stuff that we thought about. I mean, I totally thought I was just going to make a lot of money and I was going to make decent drinks, but it was going to be... Girls with big boobs behind the bar, right. just you know, playing that up. Boy, did you know, that change for that you? Stuff. It did. Hey, they, now you got a classy got staff. Yeah, so, I don't know if you put them on that or not. Yeah, you got a great staff. But um, no, I mean, uh, it was it was. I mean, it was a completely different perspective. Mm-hmm. And then we moved down in 2010. Ended up, you know, getting in. You know, there's stories behind that, but sure. uh, getting in with. People like David Allen and yeah. USBG, and we took his cocktail class and started meeting those guys, and then just did everything that we could to learn. Um, we went right. to GABF, Tales of the Cocktail, sure. all the kinds of stuff. Started hearing about these places. We go back down to Houston, go to places like Anvil. Do you um, think that that you would have done yeah. it now? Obviously, you know we hadn't talked about Jessica too much, but I'd love to, I'm gonna I'd love to have her on just of course. you know solo too. But how much did she influence that that passion to to enter? 
the industry, as you say. She didn't influence it at all. No. No, no, Did no. You it was completely it was completely my idea. Oh, no kidding. It was okay. completely my idea. What's well, worked out um, pretty well for her too. Well, yeah. Absolutely. I mean, it, it's it's one of those things. I've there's been situations in the past from bands or movies or hobbies or something like that that mm-hmm. I've turned her on to that she even at some point kind of excelled in certain elements of it even more than I did. Yeah. I mean, I when Jessica and I started it was totally my idea to do it. She did it because she loved me. Right. She she planned. She agreed to come to Austin to open a bar before I ever proposed to her. No kidding. I had proposed to her. We had already made plans to move down. Yeah. And then I proposed to her, and then I had friends that were like, "Did she expect it?" And I was like, "Well, we didn't exactly did talk you, about it." But I, I don't. Did you think ask that, that question? Like, oh man, if she doesn't want to go to Austin, I don't know. Well, no, I mean, no. But I was like, I don't think that she thought she was opening a bar on a handshake. Yeah, like yeah. you know, she figured something was coming. <laughs> and that you were like, you're, you're not thinking prenup or anything, right. right? Yeah. No, and then we got the passion for it, and then she started, you know, with her work with the USVG and doing competitions yeah. and all that stuff, and it ended up being, you know, like when Jessica and I first started out. When we took classes and we did the tipsy um, text and stuff, tipsy text and stuff yeah. and everything, we were very much on the same level in terms of bartenders. Uh-huh. Like actually, when we took the tipsy texan class, I got the highest score. She got the second highest. Score no kidding. And in our whole class, mm-hmm. and like we did that, and we were very much on the same level. At a certain point, when did she start leaving you in the dust, Michael? When uh, <laughs> when she started doing competitions, yeah. And uh, so, at one point, <clears throat> all of our opening bar staff was women uh, majority mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and then at some point when certain people moved on it was you know for the most part it was tacy carly amber madeline was with us for a little while and then uh you know and jessica sure who was doing a lot of that i was busy doing a lot of fixing the ice machine fixing the roof doing yeah. a lot of that kind of you know traditional stuff and then she was doing bartending a lot more and she right. caught on to it faster than i yeah did. And at a certain point, you get to that point that she had practiced it enough to where if I had gone and taken certain shifts, I would be mm-hmm. slowing things down gotcha, right. where she wasn't. Playing so your I, I could never catch up to her at that point, yeah. though, because it was always easier for her to do it because she was better at it. Right. And then I was just like, OK, well, I guess I'm not a bartender. So so like I can make a, drinks. I can do it. But I can't bartend nearly as good as she can. Was that a bit of an irritating <clears throat> moment or as you said, this is how the, the cards fell? Uh, it's an irritating. Yeah. yeah. I'm, I mean, I'm... I'm I always, do, you, do you now? Here's, here's here's the thing. There's some fame, right? There's a little bit of notoriety. Not that you haven't done an amazing job of being mm-hmm. notorious in your own right, but do you ever miss what could have been the rock star bartender, tender, Michael Sanders? For myself, yeah. I think about this, and I have this conversation a lot. Uh, Jessica and I did a um, seminar on uh, owning a bar with your. Set the tails. Yeah, yeah, no, it was a PDX. PDX, show. okay. About owning a bar with your significant other. And right. one thing that we ended up talking about was sometimes in a partnership, you can have a boss and a face. Yes. A lot of times, people people come to me or feel like it's going to come to me with real boss kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. These are the rules. This is going to, you know, uh, hiring, firing, all that kind of stuff. Right. Like a lot of that dirty the, Almost a mean guy, right? Sometimes. Bad cap. Obviously, Jessica does that too. Sure. But I'm more of the boss in quotations than in that situation. She's more of the face in a lot of quotations, in a lot of situations, because because she was a woman doing that, she started doing uh, speed rack. She Uh started doing the competitions. She worked really hard with the USVG. She's Mm -hmm. the president of the USVG. It gives her a lot of visibility that it didn't give me 
in that in yeah, that right, way. Right, right. So sometimes am I jealous of that? Yes. But I'll be honest with you, I don't necessarily want to have done the things that she had to do to, to earn some of that notoriety. Yeah. I never wanted to do competitions. No. I never wanted to be the president of the USBG. Right. I never wanted to work with certain people that she's worked with to get that or whatever. So I'm obviously happy that it happens. Yeah. I like that. I'm so proud that she's done so well with competitions and that she's good at it and that it brings notoriety to the bar and it's given her experiences mm -hmm. that she might not otherwise would have had. That's not for me. Yeah. And there's a certain amount of notoriety that comes with that that well, you built I'm it jealous your... that I didn't have. But yeah. at the same time, I can look at the bar and go, that's... And it's you know, not like right. people don't know... Who Mike Sanders is? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you get you. You've been able. I'm going to say you've been on the class circuit. You've been able to yeah. teach people some of the lessons about running the bar. You are a resident expert about plenty of things. People <laughs> always consult you about yeah. cocktails and all this kind of yeah. stuff. You know, I mean, you're a notable figure, sure, and all of that. So, like coming into this whole thing, this this concept of drink well, what was the if if you could even distill it down to like a single thing, what was the thing that you knew you could do better than anybody else? And that's why you started the bar. Or was it a, just a shot in the dark, as it can be for some? That's interesting. I felt... Okay. Because you got good pedigree. There right? wasn't better a... Than most. Well, there wasn't... A, okay. There wasn't necessarily an aha moment. Yeah. But there was a direction that we started going down mm -hmm. that we started seeing a lot of people open up places from a perspective of being behind the bar. Yeah. And they were doing all these things and they were putting in systems and cultures and things like that that were all for the behind the bar kind of stuff, which was great. Yeah, yeah. And they were making great products and they were doing great things. <clears throat> I felt like at a certain time, and a million people have done, you know, this well also, but at a certain time, I felt like Jessica and I had a real... uh a real understanding of what the people on the other side of the bar really wanted. Yeah, yeah. And I was because you got to make your, you got to make a product for your customers, not yourself. It is, and now right. it has to be both. But right. But it's not about. And us, I'm also right? I'm just I'm incredibly analytical and incredibly detailed. Yeah, I go oh, yeah. into a place and I know automatically how easy is it to get to the bathroom? Do they have purse hooks? Right. Are there round back stools? Like, you know, where? Like, I I just noticed those kind yeah, of things. Yeah. There are all kinds of things that I saw that I wanted to be in a bar, and I built the bar. Kind of around that. Yeah. But I remember, you know, it was a time that I was, I don't know, I was frustrated about something or bummed mm -hmm. or whatever. And I was talking to Billy Hankey yeah, at, yeah. at King B. And I was saying, one of the things that I feel was very advantageous to Jessica and I that allowed us to be as successful as we've, as we've become, however you want to define mm -hmm. success, was that we were unapologetically humble about what we knew how to do. We yeah. knew we didn't know shit. Yeah. I know all kinds of people Self that... Self-effacing. It's great. I just knew... Yeah. We didn't know anything. We asked everyone for help. Sure. We surrounded ourselves with good people that were able to teach us the right things. We made our mistakes. We had our assholes that burned us and all that stuff. Right. But for the most part, we were around people that were able to really give us good advice. And we had no problem whatsoever asking people. We were never... <clears throat> we never feel like felt mm. like we knew more. And one of the things that Billy said was he was like, yes, I get that. And he's like, but I also I was talking to somebody else the other day. Mm -hmm. And for some reason, we were talking about you guys. And they said, another reason for your success was your complete attention and care for the human condition. Yeah. 
whether it be our staff or the people that come into the bar, whatever. Or your that, humor. We really don't underplay that too, sure. right? Yeah. No, but we really care about people having a good time. Sure. It like I wake up every morning making sure my staff is happy, yeah. making sure my customers are happy, making sure everyone. I feel like you know I I between my wife and my uh, the people that work for me yeah. and the community and all that kind of stuff. I'm always trying to make people happy, happy in one way or another. So I think that. Does that? I think that a lot of I think that a lot of people do that. Yeah, and I'm not saying we're the only people that do. But it, do but you, do I think ever, that we figured out a certain way that works well for us. Does it ever take its toll on you personally? Of course it does. My mom is very selfless, Am- amazing person, right? But it's everybody else before her, and so I always wonder with the people that are like that: is it sustainable? Do you get mic time? No. I mean this. The, no. I I mean and and dude, I go to a therapist every two weeks, yeah. and it's. What are the things is that we talk about? Helpful? It's, it's good. Yeah, yeah, it's good. I, I've done it for a while. I've, yeah. you know, um, been a fan of therapy for you want to call it seven or eight years now. Yeah. Um, it's always good to talk it out. Well, it's good to be able to talk to somebody that that isn't vested completely sure. in the outcome of what happens. No, no, no matter what. I mean, yeah, yeah. it's really, really yeah, exactly. Important. Yeah. Um, I. I feel very alone a lot of times. Why I feel that? very, I, I just feel kind of isolated because I feel like everything that I'm trying to do, I'm trying to do for somebody else. And I also uh, can tend to be very argumentative. Sure. And very opinionated from, about like, stuff. Is that stem from kind of just maybe a tad bit of resentment because you're like, I'm not getting even my needs met, but I'm doing everything for everybody <clears> else. And maybe that comes out. Like a little pressurized valve well, that spots out. Well, you want to go way back. I mean, we'll have our own therapy session now. <laughs> when I grew up with all those black kids and stuff when I was a little kid, yeah. I mean, it was just the fact that I was different. Right, right. I got picked on a whole lot. I'm sure. I was the only white kid and I was a lot smaller than everybody. And mm-hmm. a lot of those kids picked on me and all that kind of stuff. And I just felt very, uh, I felt very picked on most of my life. Yeah. My mom was always like, you got to stand up. Don't take it. My mom is really aggressive. Don't take any shit. Yeah. You know, stand up for yourself. Put your head high and sure. all that kind of stuff. So when I have opinions about things, however, wherever it came from, sometimes, and I argue with Jessica about this sometimes, sometimes I feel like the person that wins is just the person that's loudest. Yeah. That's a, and, I think that's a dynamic in a lot of families, right? Yeah. Yeah. So that has come into certain things. And I also feel like, I feel like in a lot of ways, I put so much thought into opinions or directions that I'm going in Mm -hmm. that if someone disagrees with me, I feel like it's only because they don't understand me. I see. If I can explain myself better, of course they'll agree with me because I make perfect sense. And that's not necessarily the case. Right. So I would just keep on going, keep on going, keep on Uh going and all that. And sometimes that can alienate oh, me because thing. I because I argue with people. About right. Stuff. It's it's like no, it's not that you disagree with me. It's that I'm not making myself clear, mm-hmm. which is not a good approach for reaching any kind of conclusion or no. agreement with no. anybody. No. Know? But I I wonder if it's just is it a product of our family? Is it a product of our own egotism? I you know I don't know because I, I consider myself also a pleaser. Right. I want to make sure mm-hmm. that people are taken care of and that everybody is. Derided, you know. Sure, but at the same time, does that mean that I ever truly get to take care of myself, my emotional needs? I don't know. Because yeah. the other thing too, do you find that when you're you're busy in projects, it's projects, man. Uh-huh. PDX Cocktail Week, it's a project because you're probably mm-hmm. presenting again this. You're presenting this year. Yeah, right? yeah. yeah. Well, actually, got, I'm I'm bringing Jessica along. Now. Oh, there you go. Yeah, okay. so cool. But it's a it's, yeah. that's a project. Yeah, you've got 
the USB-G bits, which there's events there, those are projects. You've got the bar, which is the biggest project of all. And then we keep moving Working forward. Working on another one. Moving. What, uh, do you want to talk about that? I mean, I can give you the basic yeah. stuff. Um, it's going to be down south mm-hmm. uh, next to the South Ramen Tatsuya. Yeah. Oh, right next to it? Yeah. Like, share, like sharing too. a wall. Yeah. Uh, the name of it is Backbeat. Mm-hmm. Um, Words on the street. Yeah, right. Um, <laughs> it is a rooftop patio, mm-hmm. um, bigger than Drinkwell. Um, it's all bar. Yeah. It's not, uh, there's going to be small food, but not a restaurant the same way that Drinkwell is. Gotcha. Open until two. Very cool. Um, <clears throat> you know, it's not going to be a Drinkwell two. Yeah. Like it's going to be. Did you want to reinvent yourself this time or was there just this no, other idea percolating? Of no, what? I just, uh, I don't see any interest in franchising necessarily sure. now. There's always going to be, you'll always see some, uh, le- there will be something familiar. Yeah. The way that the staff is, the way that things are put together, right. the way that the drinks are all done. All women the, behind the bar. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> trust me. Um, sure. That's not intentional at all. Not all. It's, it's yeah. not. It's not. I mean, Dennis did we, work there. Yes. At some point. Yes. So. Yes. Even though he's a girly guy. Well, yeah. And we had Lavenue too. So, you know. <laughs> Uh, no, uh, you know, one of the things that's very interesting is it, it's, it doesn't have to be, um, gender specific necessarily in the way that, oh, well, if you have all women, they act this way. If you right. have all men, they act this way. No, yeah, I would never. But <clears throat> if you have a majority of one gender, they tend to infight more mm-hmm. than they would a lot of times if it's spread out. Yeah. But in the experience that I've had... And it might just have been whatever. I've had better luck with it being a majority women than I have a majority men. That's good. That's good. Yeah. It's good to hear. Yes. And, I, you know, now that you're immersing yourself in another project, do you have any kind of expected time when it's going to go live? Um, Very beginning of the new year. Oh, cool. Very yeah. cool. Very beginning. Yeah. Uh, one of the things, there's still construction going on. And one of the things that we're, that's a challenge now is that even if construction gets done at a certain point as you go to the end of the year right hiring a staff at the beginning of december oh i can't like imagine it's, it's just easy. it's just not uh very feasible yeah so try and do that so yeah i mean no i mean uh, we're we're juggling a million things we're still we're at that point in our lives that we wonder if we want to have kids yeah yeah it's, it's tough that, like because that's another it's gonna be another thing of which you can't focus on yourself right, right. not that the kids aren't great and I, I mean i wouldn't know firsthand that i made a pretty ardent decision not to have kids you know Um, but getting immersed in even yet another project it's even going to be less time for you to understand i mean so i think the therapy thing is obviously really going to help out you know sure um so i'm gonna go get the dog real quick we're gonna take a brief break and then we'll finish up if that's right with you sure yeah so pardon pardon the intermission but you know intermissions aren't so bad watch space odyssey 2001 the other day it's only two and a half hours and they put an intermission in there Right. You watch The Departed, and there's no damn intermission in that. Right. Wolf, Wolf of Wall Street, any of that stuff. But I had to let the, uh, you know, the prideful little Shiba Inu dog back in. Because oh. she was barking, as she always does. But, you know, I want to share something with you. I hadn't really talked about this, but it comes to mind a lot when I think about what we're, maybe where we're all headed, personally, physically. And this past shit just on friday i worked a little bit and i was on the computer and i got a chat and my coworker said hey did you hear about this person and i was like no you know it's this person is my previous boss i worked with him for four years or so 
and this guy shared with me goes oh he uh he died mm. today he was 38 years old yeah and it brought me back to thinking about this is the thing and he was on leave a couple times he was on leave for about two to three months each time and mm. the second time seemed a little bit longer and i was kind of wondering what was going on he obviously appeared really emaciated and stuff when we worked together and this is sometime last year came back and he said hey i want to meet with you i want i want to let you know what's going on and he said i am an alcoholic and i just got out of 60 days in rehab and i was drinking a liter of jameson a day Oish. and uh, 12 packs <clears throat> of beer and the doctor said if i continue to do this i will without any doubt die and so I still don't know really how to feel about it. We I worked for him for fucking years, sure. you know. And I think he relapsed. I don't know this, right? Maybe his body had just given up. He had put it through a whole lot, you know. And I think about Josh Ozerski, right? He mm-hmm. was a writer for Esquire and had some friends that traveled with him, kind of knew that he was living the life too. And there is always this duality that we we have sure that is one to be social vivacious gregarious meeting people being the person the life of the party also while trying to balance some sanity and some physical health so that that long-winded intro is really just to ask you does it ever feel like it it can go a little bit dark and the drinking can get too big I mean, the drink, the drinking, uh, we are taking depressants. Yeah. yeah. You don't realize that a lot of times because you're having such a good time. Yeah. And I personally have my own demons that I deal with anyway. And then everyone wakes up with that. Did I do something wrong? Did I say something stupid? Mm-hmm. Am I drinking too much? Why did I go to that second bar? Why right. did I have that last whiskey? It was so dumb. Why did I do that? And then you add that into whatever you might be dealing with personally. I mean, like, you know, you talk about deaths and stuff like that. I mean, obviously, the, the community was really affected by Sasha Petrovsky. Right. Do we die now? We, do, does anybody know what really happened there? Uh, no. No. Right? I don't know that. And, and uh, I'll mention... So uh, let me just say this when I mention mm-hmm. names. I know I, I do not know details of how they actually died. Mm-hmm. It's just a perspective mm-hmm. on the industry. Like you said, Josh, Sasha, mm-hmm. the night that we went to Half Step mm-hmm. to have the da- the daiquiri for Sasha, the night before Matt Thompson died right? Uh, from Firehouse here. And then there was, you know, his deal going on. And I think that, you know, you have a situation to where when people die in this particular business especially right. your first thing is did they od or was it suicide that's what why, everybody why goes do we to think that because it's, it's, a very, a it's a very it depressing or? thing i mean like you, you gotta you gotta realize like i have uh, there was a time like when you were talking about people talking to me about being you know a, a resident expert on certain things yeah. one of the things that people talk to me about a lot is their feelings mm-hmm. because i've had almost all of them um <laughs> yeah. and i'm very open about what my feelings are about right, certain right. things and i was just talking to people that were just really having a tough time with stuff it was a real dark time yeah. in the industry in general even outside of these, these deaths and these tragedies yeah. that have been happening and stuff like that and 
you know, people saying, I got to fucking stop drinking so much. I got to stay home and go to the gym and eat salads and drink water and all that kind of stuff. And they don't. And it's a shame because, you know, talking about, and this isn't uh, tied to the situations that we've had with everything from gun control and all that stuff, but the mental health situation outside of that that goes on in this country is unfortunate because most insurance plans don't cover that. Right, yeah. Almost all bartenders don't have insurance, yeah. or at least insurance that's provided How do you them. do anything about that? So you go and drink Frenette and smoke a pack of cigarettes at 2 o'clock in the morning, not talking about how great your night was. Right. And it just ends up getting into these dark things, and people bond on this misery loves company kind sure. of thing in a lot of ways. And a lot of people have fun, and a lot of people are very well adjusted. I mean, isn't but that why Joy Division formed? Pretty much, <laughs> to, yeah. So people could uh, commiserate. Yeah, and... It definitely gets to a dark place because the other thing you have to feel like is you can't come to work with your emotions. No. You have to, you know, you come in, you're having a bad day. You better put that shit down, make everybody happy and do whatever. And then you're on, 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 on all day. Yeah. And then you leave and you run into other people in the community that you're friends with. Right. Friends is in quotes too. And yes, it's definitely in quotation marks. You know, it's. Who can you go to? And that's one of the things that I think that therapy has been very good about because I'm business partners with my wife. Yeah. I can't talk to my wife about my job right. the same way you can talk to Lydia about your job. Oh, sure. Yeah. I can't. Do, we're there. Yeah. The sympathy isn't necessarily there a lot of times because she's dealing with a lot of the same stresses that I have. Right. Um, and then if I have problems with her... Mm-hmm. obviously I can't talk to her that's tough so who are your friends that you can go and talk like to like actual in a, friends yeah in an actual comfortable healthy space right. somebody's like oh let's go have some drinks well that's, that's the worst time to do it self-fulfilling yeah. yeah it's just it's no tough. it's a it's a it's an unfortunately very dark thing I think that because people are so used to being on a lot of times they're very uh, dishonest with others and especially themselves oh, sure. on how hard they might be having it yeah it's it's really really tough and I I don't know that there are any really positive healthy outlets for this stuff because yoga is a good example right for a lot of people that's very very helpful it's a good escape it's outside of the mm-hmm. industry being out outdoors all these things but unfortunately alcohol is so tightly coupled with so many social events sure it's like the blob and you can't escape its grasps i fought i fought a lot with uh, this is something very indicative not calling anybody out about it but this is very indicative of the way that the industry is yeah i worked for a very long time to get committees in the usbg okay and now there are some Mm mm-hmm like I'm a, the head of the I, I'm I'm the head of the recruitment uh, and development. Oh, okay, okay. Um, there are people that do health and wellness and philanthropy and all that stuff. But I tried very hard to do a health and wellness for a long time. Yeah. That we would take a day that we would do an activity, and we would do a thing, and we would go to somewhere like a bar, but we would get that bar to have a selection of mocktails. Yeah. That everybody could still be social with each other, but we would all promise on that day. Not to drink, not to smoke, right. just to hang out with each other, just to have a good time, not do all the other bullshit. Yeah. I got so much resistance for that concept. from 
people saying it's a bartender's guild and bartenders are going to want to drink. That's insane. I couldn't get a day a month out of these people. That's so crazy. It and it just show it just shows the perspective. It's almost like Philip Morris, like back in the whole thing. It's like if yeah. we're not pushing product, then yeah. you guys can't do it. Yeah, that's it's fucking how are we going to tell people to go out and go? Maybe we can do a bike ride. Maybe we can do a stand up paddle boarding, and then we go to a bar. Right. How about we don't? Yeah. Like, just do it. And then you can... But if you want to get a brand to sponsor it or something like that, they, they got to move their it. shit. It's just this... It's a terrible paradox. Yeah. You know? If you put on Facebook, I'm going for a run. Who wants to go with me? Nobody no will, one go. will go. If you say you're going to happy hour, it'll Everybody. fill the place. Yeah. And that's, that's an insane kind of thing. Yeah. How do you... It doesn't look like it will change, right? Yeah. I mean, it, the bartender community, to its credit... Is full of new, fresh, creative faces all of the time. Sure. At, but at the same time, it feels like they're, since it's such a maelstrom and whirlwind of staff, like that, just like a kind of revolving door in a lot of places, people tossing around other joints and stuff. Like, how do we, how do you ever build that foundation of people that can be the mentors and say, like, we gotta take our health seriously? Because it's not, this is not the end of this. This is only in the beginning. Crap sure. cocktails, it's almost like an excuse where it's like, well, I made, I, even if I had 10 of them, damn, it was a wonderfully made Manhattan, right? Like sure. Almost in a way, we kind of give ourselves some some leeway because we're sure. drinking good, right. even if it's a lot. Well, absolutely. I mean, I was, gosh, who was I talking to? I was having a conversation with a guy one time about alcoholism. Mm-hmm. And he was, he was an alcohol, he was a guy that still worked in bars, but he was an al- he had been an alcoholic. Right. It's a guy I think I met in New York. Hmm. And he stopped drinking in like the mid nineties, but he still worked in bars now. And he actually was working like in a craft bar. Hmm. And I said, he was like back in the eighties, all we did was drink to get drunk. All we did was just go out, right, get fucking right. hammered. Quality wasn't like a that. concern, right? And I said, but, but if you honestly think about it, was alcoholism more of an issue then or more of an issue now because it can be so masked in, I'm drinking amazing stuff. Right, right. How many times do you sit there and get a boner over, I'm sitting here drinking bonded bourbon all night. Right. It's a hundred proof bourbon. Yeah, it's a lot. It's a lot. Let's go out and have overproof rum daiquiris. Sure. And it's fine. It's delicious. It's doing whatever. Three of those yeah. is much more than the six vodka shots you might have done in '86. Yeah, yeah. And then you true. fucking move on. No, it's a really like, it's interesting not, point. It's, you know, it's it. A lot of it is. Look at beer. Yeah. For the, I mean, people are bringing stuff back down. Right. But you're used to coming out of like a college situation and stuff like that. That you're drinking Coors Lights and Budweisers all the time, which mm-hmm. are what four and a half, five percent. Mm-hmm. And then this craft beer thing happens, and you've already got it in your head. I'm going to go out and have six beers. Yeah. But no, you're drinking 7.5% beers. Now. Right. You're drinking 8% beers. Eight, Let's go enjoy these double IPAs. Let's have four of them. Mm-hmm. That's, eight, that's eight drinks. Yeah. Like, it's, 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 a, lot of, it's a lot of stuff that is, is very easily masked by sure. quality. Yeah. That's a great point. It totally is. Well, but I drank all the bottle, all the Pappy Van Winkle. Right. Or right. in this case, the Elijah Craig. Right. Has it taken its toll on you? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And I'm diabetic. Yeah. So, so I fight another. You? I've known yes. a couple of diabetics that. It it worries me in a way. I'm I'm I've gained more weight than I wish that I had, yeah. and I find myself uh, like 
it's just such a crazy thing that I've loved getting done with a long day. When I worked in New York, yeah. I'd work a long day. I'd get done with work and I'd go to the gym. Mm-hmm. I'd come home, I'd make some dinner. I'd watch TV. Yeah. Maybe I'd watch a movie or something and I'm, maybe I'd pour myself a whiskey and I'd go to sleep. Right. Now, I go do a tasting during the day. I get done, I eat I eat lunch at four. I eat dinner at nine. Yeah. I have a certain, you know, I have wine and stuff at dinner. Then I'm like, oh, I should swing by and go over to such and such sure. bar and see so and so and do whatever. Oh man, they just got the new blah, blah, blah. Vago Tobala and Baro. I'm gonna have right. some of that. And then yeah. you, you sit there and you At do whatever. Something and percent. That, yeah. yeah. And well, and then and then you sit there and you have two Lone Stars and four Mescals and you're like, fuck, my bill is $120 again. Sure. Not only and are you doing that healthy, yeah, you're, you're draining your pocket on it. Yeah. yeah. And then you and then you wake up and you're not necessarily hung. You're not you're not hammered. No, like you're not, yeah. You're not you know. But your day is slower. Sure. You're not hopping up and going to the gym in the morning. Yeah. Yeah. Doing that kind of stuff. So yeah, it's absolutely it's insane. And and it's and it's crazy because it's like you didn't have that influence when you worked in the corporate world. Like no. everybody went home. Yeah. Hey, it's that one Thursday night, Mike's. It's Mike's birthday. Right, right. Let's go out and we'll all fucking go crazy tonight and we'll have a shitty morning on Friday, but whatever. Yeah. Like you don't do that. It's all the time. Yeah. It's, well, it's the, it's the, the currency. Time. It's a conversation. I mean, mm-hmm. there, it's hard to say no to free good things. Absolutely. It's easy to say no to bad good things, mm-hmm. but it's a totally different thing, you know? Well, and you also run the risk, unfortunately, and I, I mean, listen, many people are probably going to disagree with plenty of these things in here, but... That is the you have point. to be you That's have totally... to be conscious to not lose track of the occasion sure. that drinking should be. Yeah, it shouldn't be a routine. It should be a nice occasion. Yeah, if you are able to have that occasion more than some either some. Than some people sometimes, and that's fine. Yeah, but you also have to be aware of the effects of that. But when it's just like you're sitting there looking at that, you know bottle of a hundred and twenty dollar barolo or something like that and you're like yeah Yeah. i've I've had it before yeah whatever then it's like dude the whole fucking point is gone yeah it is like it's over now it you know it's a good point when you talk about collectible bottles and all that kind of shit it is meant to be drank though oh no absolutely no i i i run the i run the risk at home that you know i i walk by my you know my top shelf yeah and i think man you know like a Fucking meteor can hit the earth Anytime. next week, sure. and I'll be wherever wherever the afterlife is. Going, God damn it! Why didn't yeah. I drink that glass? Is that really two thousand seven drink that two thousand seven Pechuga? Yeah, yeah. And uh, but then I also duck by and go, man, I drank a lot of that two thousand seven Pechuga, <laughs> man. Like I wish I had some of it. Now. Grass is always greener, like sure. every single time. Sure. No point being is, unfortunately, right now, there really has to be a true paradigm shift in an overall idea of what we do and what we celebrate, what we promote on Facebook, yeah. what we tell our friends or whatever like that in this industry, because having mentors that lead a real group think about being healthier. It's dangerous. If is, it's, well, but it it, it's, it's, but it's good and it can be. Yeah. And there are people that do it. There just aren't a whole lot of listeners right That's now right, because yeah. there's so much more noise. What you need to do is just sort of try and find the things that works for you yeah. and if you can't, if if the industry can't be influenced positively, mm-hmm. let's stop letting it influence us. Influence us negatively. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's a good point. Definitely. 
Yeah. I mean, it's it's an interesting thing, and I think I hope it becomes a a regular theme through yeah. these conversations. You know, sure, because I think we're we're so close, all of us, to being yeah. under the grips of of that addiction. And the it's the FOMO's fucking real, dude. Yeah, it oh, is. Sure. The FOMO's real, and you check your Facebook and whatever like that. It's a completely unhealthy yeah. thing. It is. Totally. It's terrible. You see what everybody's doing, and you're like, oh, why can't I be there? I wish I was doing it or yeah. whatever. And then to be honest with you. What, like, a lot the of times they're great, but anyway. when you go and then you wake up feeling like shit the next right. day, and you're like, "Yeah, it's fine. I so had like, another good time with so and so." And so something that, that at least we that we share. Right. So here's one of the, here's one of the things I actually really enjoy saying no to things, not to mm. be argumentative, mm -hmm. but to not just do everything because that's what I was invited to. And mm -hmm. it's not an assault, you know. If there are mm -hmm. amazing events and great people, and if I ever get the opportunity to talk to people like I do with you right now, like I will always take that over a group. Anytime, yeah, it's my favorite thing. Well, but I, having a the st the stable love of a woman, you know, I I really feel like having that person in your life is a great stabilizer. It is. It can be. It you know, um, and it's been. I can't imagine how I could possibly even do anything that I've done in my life if I didn't have Jessica with me. Yeah, it's an interesting also perspective because uh, because we work together. And we work so much together. Mm -hmm. Some of that feeling of your comfort that you have when you come home at night not doing things, I have in a different way. Yeah. Or I don't have in certain ways. Right. Um, and the thing is for me, honest to God, like, you know, uh, in the break you were talking about people being so concerned about what people think about them. And obviously I'm not, you know, mentioning this now, but yeah. I do things a lot of because unfortunately some of the isolation that I feel sometimes. Sure. I Just want like a to reactive, like fighting in a corner kind of thing. Like no, reactive or? it's, it's a thing of, I can't stay at home. Mm -hmm. I get stir crazy. I get ah. like, I can't be still. Yeah. I hate being sick. Sure. I hate, Having to do projects at home, I don't like it. I want to be places. Yeah. And I just like it when people laugh at my jokes. Yeah. I like when people are happy to see me there. It's mm -hmm. it's a thing that I'll always Maybe it's that only moment dig. that you get that is really about you. True. Yeah. yeah. Well, and yeah, and, and yes, you're absolutely right. I mean, you know, when I work at a bar and I'm spending all this time making sure people are having a good time, when I can go into another place and have somebody be glad that I'm there then, yeah. then, you know, that's, that's a value. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, you know, uh, I, <laughs> I hope that I can get to a place that even I had it one time in New York that like, I can go home and just be home. I've been good about it recently. I was joking around with Colette. Uh, mm -hmm. I saw her at, um, uh, H-E-B and she's like you're not at home and I was like no 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 but I'm buying food so that I can be at home I yeah. promise I'm not going out I swear <laughs> I'm, not, I'm staying in I promise God I'm not going out because yeah. I just you know if it were up to me I'd be out all the time well I, I hope that, that you last you know and I, and I I think that your personality it's a good mix to keep people on their feet and it calls out a lot of things I think are kind of important for people to talk about Sure. I think that you're probably saying stuff that a lot of people, not to say they're afraid to say it, but they're just like, ah, shit, you know, Sanders. Sure, this. sure. And God bless you for that, man. Yeah, it's, I, it it's has, what I do. has to be that way. So sure. I really thank you for coming in and hanging thank out. You. Thank you. Thanks for having man. me. And, uh, Appreciate it. It was fun. Have a good night, man. You too. Thank you. Bye. So what a wonderful chat with Mike. I love the fact that Mike will say what he thinks. 
Sometimes it's controversial. Sometimes it's brutally honest. But honestly, if if we learn nothing else from this conversation, it's that if we don't focus on our health and we don't focus on taking that time away from being in the industry, immersed in the industry, it might just not work out. We might perish and we might crush under this pressure. We might crush under what is depression at times. And we have to know that we do have each other. We do have people to talk to. And we are here for each other. So, Mike, thanks so much for being you. No matter what feathers you ruffle, we always know you're doing it for the right reasons. But for the time being, let's remember to keep dancing. <laughs>